Hi, everybody. This is Randy Weddle with Creation Anew. I welcome you to this podcast. I am the pastor of Community Church of Mooresville, located in Mooresville, Indiana. And I am also the pastor of Mount Pleasant Christian Church, located in the great town of Hall, Indiana. And I welcome you to this episode of Creation Anew. Well, I have been gone for just a little while, not um, from other duties, but uh, from the podcast. And I apologize for, I wasn't, uh, didn't want to abandon you and I've missed being with you guys. Um, But I just had some things that I had to take care of and uh, the podcast, uh, uh, I just kind of had to... uh, to put them on hold for just a just a little bit, so I'm glad to be back. I have had some problems with my eyes, um, and with that, um, I, I've got some swelling of my retinas, and uh, my uh, the result is if it gets really bad, I have a hard time reading. Uh, and I'm thankful that it hasn't gotten really bad lately. But I've had to do some some different things with my eyes, go to doctors and things like that. They think this can be fixed, but so far it's not been fixed yet. So that would be something you can pray for. If uh, if I have good days, then I can see a lot better. And uh, so all of that to be said, with doctor's visits and with taking care of some other things, I have just uh, I just haven't been able to get everything done that I've wanted to get done. And I'm a pastor. And I also have to make sure that my flock is taken care of, uh, so I, I need to, to make sure those duties are, are uh, dealt with as well. So with that, did I even need to say anything about that, really? I mean, uh, you know what? If you, if you pray, I would love it if you would pray for my eyes. Uh, pray that God would heal my eyes. And I'll be honest, if he doesn't, um, you know, I, I, I'm so thankful for whatever vision I can have. Uh, I'm just very, very thankful. So, uh, but if you if you uh, think about it, please pray uh, for my eyes that they would be healed. So, what are we going to talk about today? Well, guys, what we're going to talk about today is church leadership. And um, I, I just I, I want to start off with my opinion. Okay, um, here, my opinion is just that. It's my opinion. So take it for what it's worth. But I have been in the pastorate um, since, well, except for for just a a brief time off. um, uh, I've been in the pastorate. I started in 1987. So that sounds like an awful long time because I I think I'm still young, I think. Uh, But I started a long time ago, back you know, back when we drove cars with, with stone wheels and things like that. And I've had a lot of experiences in the pastorate, some great, some bad. And I have to be honest with you, one of the bad experiences that I have had on too many occasions is with church leadership. Now, let me start off with saying something here. Whenever I started as a pastor, I was about 21 years of age, um, had no clue what in the world I was doing, but I, I was willing to take a lot of direction and I was willing to listen and, and to learn. I had a very teachable heart and I, I, uh, I, I just, I kind of learned through experience for the first few years or so. And uh, that trial by fire was very beneficial for me. Did I make mistakes? Absolutely. Were there things that I did that, uh, you know, did I do things that I wish that I hadn't done or would I do them differently? Yes, absolutely. And let me, let me tell you, if you have a church leader that says they wouldn't do anything different, you might want to look at them differently because they're probably lying to you. Hey, we all have a starting point and we all make mistakes and we all say, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. I should have gone this way. And we learn and we adjust and we move from there. But it's one thing to be new and to make mistakes. It's another to know how to do things and to do them poorly. And 
I have had so many experiences with leadership that is poor. And either it's ignorance. I mean, you know, if you don't know what you don't know, um, then that's one thing. And, and that can be, you can grow. And I understand that. But there have been times when I've experienced leadership that will look directly into Scripture and ignore it or disobey it so that they can do whatever they want to do. That's evil. And too many churches suffer from poor leadership. Whenever I started off, I did not have um, formal education as a pastor. I didn't really start having formal education until probably um, it was after year four that, that I was in the pastorate. In the early 90s, uh, my wife and I um, moved so that I could have seminary training and, uh, you know, that that helped me and is still helping me today. Um, but what I've seen is a lot of pastors don't want to grow. They don't want to learn. And they get into this groove and they're not going to change. Well, that's what leadership is. Leadership is change. It's where we, where we learn the truth and we adjust to that and we move on. And so I've seen pastors that are willfully ignorant of biblical issues. They don't grow. They don't read. They don't challenge themselves. That's bad. That's, that, that, that leads to poor leadership. You've also got pastors that don't, they don't study God's word, for heaven's sake. And that's poor. Uh, you have to be in God's word constantly. Every time I go through God's word, I learn something different. Every single time. I'm always finding something where it's like, oh, okay, I have to adjust my thinking to what God's word says. And, and I have to just adjust my attitude to what God's word says. That it's, it, the Christian life is like driving a car. You can't, just, you can't just hold the steering wheel in one direction and keep driving. You're going to go off the road. You're constantly going a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, and adjusting here and adjusting there, adjusting the acceleration and the braking and things like that. That's the Christian life, and it's based upon what you find in God's Word. So you have pastors that can be willfully ignorant. You have leadership. You have boards. You have um, uh, leadership boards that can also be willfully ignorant. And you can fix that um, if they are willing to change, if they are willing to, to say, oh, I must conform to God's word. The same is true with not willful ignorance, but also just plain ignorance. As someone grows, that ignorance goes away. But the, the issue with being evil, uh, where you look at the truth and you say, that's not the direction I'm going to take this church. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. That is a problem. So I'm going to give you a couple of instances here of poor leadership. And I think that there's just too much poor leadership in churches. Um, I, these, these are just circumstances that I have experienced over the years. It may be churches that I've been at or maybe churches that I haven't been at. But I have seen instances where one leader in a church has physically threatened the life of another leader in a church. Now, I have to be honest, whenever I, that comes out of my mouth, I'm still amazed. I'm still amazed that I actually saw that and witnessed that. I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted to this day. I don't know how in the world that would ever fit in to a biblical church, ever. Now, believe me, I've had other people in churches that have wanted to wring my neck. <laughs> and probably maybe for good reason. But to actually threaten the life of a leader from, you know, having another leader threaten the life of another leader in the church, that is crazy and it's evil. I've had instances where uh, I remember uh, sitting before a board 
of a church, and they didn't know the gospel, which right there, if you stop, that's kind of a red flag. If they didn't know the gospel, because what they were saying was, well, you can believe in Jesus, but you have to work. You have to do good works in order to get to heaven. So I explained the gospel to him. I said, guys, you got it wrong here. And here's why. I went through scripture. Boom, 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 boom. Salvation is God's work. And He, all we have to do is believe in Christ. And we have our sins forgiven. And I remember one of the leaders said, you know, that sounds really good, but I'm not taking any chances. In other words, what he was saying was, I hear what you're saying, I see it in Scripture, but I'm still going to try to work my way into heaven. And I'm going to encourage others to work their way into heaven. That's, that's evil. That's, that's evil. I, I don't know how else to say it. If you've got leadership in a church that cannot explain the gospel of Jesus Christ accurately, or are unwilling to live by the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you, you've got a terribly huge issue. I have seen um, leaders accept evil practices and excuse evil practices. That's, that's, a, that's a big no-no. Um, I, have, I have witnessed um, leaders who absolutely don't care about the condition of their flock whatsoever. Um, and, and I understand, you know, you, 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 as a leader of a church, you may not be able to get to everybody or you may actually forget somebody. You, you don't want to. It can happen at times. But to willfully say, I don't care about these people, that's a problem. That's a problem. It's, it's, it's the opposite of what church leadership should be. So there, there are many instances where I've just seen um, church leadership be poor. And again, if it's something where it's like, okay, we need, to, we need to educate people on the truth, then that's one thing. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean, I started off pretty wet behind the ears myself, and I needed, I needed other people to come alongside and go, mm, don't do things that way. Remember what God's Word says. I need, I need to be taught still today. Ignorance is one thing. Willful, willful disobedience is, that has to be dealt with. And in my, in my humble opinion, that has to be dealt with by saying, you need to step down as a leader. So with that, what I want to do in uh, this episode and the next episode is I want to talk a little bit more about leadership. Um, we're going to take a break here, and, and then I want, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about leadership and the roles of leaders. Uh, what do they do, and and who are they? And uh, and then in the next episode, more than likely, talk about the qualifications of leaders. What what do you look for in a leader? So with that, let's take a break and we'll, uh, we'll, come, we'll come back. All right, guys, we are back and um, I want to read a piece of scripture to you. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4. We're talking about leadership. And Ephesians chapter 4, and this isn't the only passage of scripture that talks about church leadership. You'll find church leadership in, in uh, places like Acts chapter 20, uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 12, you're going to find talk about leadership. And also, you're going to find uh, talk of leadership in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. So this isn't just the only place, but um, for, the for the sake of time, I want to read something to you, because there is a gift to leadership. And with that gift, we can start seeing the roles of leadership in a church. So let me read something. It's, it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11, and I want to go down to, uh, to verse 15. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. And this is talking about gifts that God has given the church. And it says, And he, 
gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the word, excuse me, the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So what in the world are we talking about here? Well, first of all, Paul mentions these gifts that God gives, and there are gifts of leadership. We have four of them mentioned right here. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors slash teachers. So what I want to say is, um, and I know some people are going to disagree with me, but I don't think you're going to be able to change my mind. Um, Some people would say that there are apostles today. I do not subscribe to that. The word apostle in the narrow term, which means you lived in Jesus' day, you witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you were called as an apostle. That's that's who we're talking about here. Now, there's a secondary term for apostle, but that means someone who is sent. As far as someone who is witness the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who was directly called by God to be an apostle, there were 12. One left, and that would have been Judas. He was replaced by Matthias. And then a 13th came, not long after, by the name of, of, of Saul, who later became Paul, right? So outside of those, there are no more apostles. There is no one today that has witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And and no one today that's been called as an apostle. Why can I say that? Well, because no one is claiming it. And if they have, then they have to verify it. So there are no apostles in that sense today. So we don't have that anymore in the church. They were the original leaders We don't have prophets like they did in the first century. If you look up a guy by the name of Agabus in uh, the book of Acts, he was a prophet. And he literally told the Apostle Paul at one time, you go back to Jerusalem and things aren't going to go well. And that was a prophecy of God. And it, it became a truth. Well, today we have people that will say, oh, I'm a prophet, or he's a prophet, or she's a prophet. Well, here's the deal. To be a prophet of God, you have to be 100% accurate. Because to be a prophet, what you are doing is you are saying, thus saith the Lord, which equates to Scripture. And if you're going to foretell that something is happening in the future, and you say, thus saith the Lord, well, if it doesn't come out to be true, you're a false prophet. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't say, you know, tomorrow I'm going to guess that that this is going to happen. Or you might even say, I think this is going to happen. And if it comes true, that still doesn't make you a prophet. A prophet is someone who comes along and they say, God has given me a revelation. And and in the, in the case of prophesying as far as foretelling, it has to absolutely come true. If it doesn't come true, and you're a false prophet. Many people today that claim to be prophets, if they were living in Old Testament times, they would not claim to be prophets. Because when the first time that one of their prophecies, if they were living in the Old Testament times, the first time that something didn't come true, they were stoned to death. So we have to be careful about the idea of a prophet. Now, can God raise up a prophet today? Absolutely. But the canon of Scripture, the, the, the Scriptures are closed. There are no more Scriptures. So someone to come along and say, I have new Scripture, well, that would be a false, false prophet. 
And if they come along and they say something's going to happen and it doesn't, and they claim that God said it's going to happen, it's a false prophet. I think we have a lot of false prophets today, but prophets as far as where they were in, in the New Testament first century church, no, we uh, I, I, we can't really take those out. I don't know of anybody in the two churches that I serve that's a prophet. Okay? So, I would cross prophets off the list that they were, the apostles and prophets were there in the first years of the church, and then that stopped. And the reason why it, we don't really need prophets anymore is because we have got the scriptures. So, evangelists is a is a, a third term and um, it, it would be like a missionary today do we have missionaries today yeah absolutely can we have evangelists in the church today yes but the reason why I don't want to talk about evangelists is because they're really not serving the church they're, it's not like a role uh, as far as an office in the church as far as leadership so an evangelist is someone who really serves outside the church. They they, church, they they serve with the backing of a church, but they don't consistently serve the church in an in an official role. Okay, uh, as far as leading the church. So that leaves us down in in the 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 passage from uh, Ephesians four eleven that leaves us with one one role pastor slash teacher now some people would say that those are two different roles and i'm not going to argue with that there can be teachers in the church that aren't pastors but what i would say here is the way paul writes this it it, it looks as though it is um one office and i'm going to give you the reason why i say that is um because in verse 11, I'm going to go down there. In verse 11, we have, um, we have um, the, the idea that a pastor, and the Greek word is poiemos, we have the idea that, that the pastor is, is also someone who teaches. Okay. Now, I, I'm not going to be dogmatic and say that there aren't teachers in the church that aren't pastors. You won't hear me say that. But in this particular passage, I believe that pastor and teacher should be put together. So um, the, the word poiemas, which is pastor, is also someone who teaches. You can't be a pastor and not be able to teach. And we're going to see that a little bit later. So we really just have one role here, and that's the role of pastor. Now, let's go over to Acts chapter 6. Oh, by the way, the reason why we have leadership in the church can be found in the rest of this passage from Ephesians. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. We're, we have leadership in churches to be able to grow the body, to teach. And, and, and to serve. And, and, and Paul says, we do that until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. We keep teaching, the leadership does, until people come to maturity. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And, and when we get to that, we're no longer, Paul says, children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming so whenever you have people that are maturing in christ and the leadership is teaching in the teaching them in the ways of scripture they're going to be strong and they're not going to to be susceptible to false doctrine and and verse 15 of this passage says we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head who is jesus so we have leadership that is to train the church to become mature. So that's the role. Now we have a second role. Now there are people, I'm going to go over to Acts chapter 6. 
There's some people that disagree with me that Acts chapter 6 mentions the second role, but I believe it does. It doesn't say it specifically as far as the term, but it lays out the work. So what was going on in Acts chapter 6? You've got the early church, and there was a problem. There were some people in the, the church was distributing food, and there were some people that were being overlooked. And um, people came and told the apostles, and they said, uh, uh, hey, this is a problem. People are being overlooked. And the, 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 the disciples said this, it is, and this is Acts uh, chapter 6, verse 2, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I think what you're seeing there is the beginning of the role of a deacon. It doesn't say deacon in the text, but it sure does describe it. And it also shows us, because since we don't have apostles anymore, and the apostles were the teaching portion of the church, that has been laid upon the pastors. The pastors are to teach. We see that, I believe, again in Ephesians um, 4.11. We have pastor-teacher. Since we don't have apostles today, that role is passed on to, to pastors. So, what I'm trying to say is there's a role for teaching scripture and there's a role for making sure that the physical needs of the church are met and cared for. And that would be the role of a deacon. So you've got two roles here. First of all, the spiritual care for the church, which would be pastor and the physical care for the church, which would be deacon. Now, I want to go into things a little bit further, but uh, time is, is getting uh, out of my hands here. So what I want to do is uh, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and, uh, and uh, go into this a little bit further. Okay, we're back again, and what we're talking about is church leadership. And uh, we, we have been talking about the role of a pastor, we also started to talk about the role of a deacon. And some of you may say, well, you're not convincing me. that." You, so what you're saying is there are two different roles in the church, one for spiritual needs and the other for physical needs. The role of a pastor is a teacher, is someone who, who teaches doctrine and teaches scripture, and so that is caring for the spiritual needs of the flock, whereas as opposed to a deacon is more of somebody who takes care of the physical needs. You haven't convinced me yet, so let me help you a little bit more. Let's go over to 1 Timothy. We're going to go to 1 Timothy, and we're going to go to chapter 3, because we've moved on down the road from Acts. Okay, We're a little bit further um, into the history of the church, and if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, I want to read verse 1, and I'm just going to read part of verse 1. Paul says, It is a trustworthy statement if any man aspires to the office of overseer. Boom. Let's stop right there. Overseer is a term that's also used for pastor. The term bishop or elder or shepherd or presbyter or overseer and pastor are all used interchangeably. The, the, the pastor or shepherd is kind of describing the poemas is, is uh, in Greek, is describing the work of a bishop, elder, presbyter, or overseer. It's someone who's overseeing the flock, caring for their spiritual needs. Now, let's go a little bit further in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, because if we go down a little bit further, and the context of this passage is the qualification of leadership. So we go a little bit further in verse 8 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says, deacons likewise must be. Boom. Deacons. Diakonos is the Greek word, and it means to minister or to serve. So you have pastor and you have deacon right there. 
So what we're seeing here is is as Paul is going through and and first first Timothy, second Timothy and Titus are are books of the Bible that talk about how a church should run. And when you go through it, you don't see Paul laying out the work of an apostle or a prophet or even an evangelist. You see him laying out the work of a pastor and a deacon, a, a shepherd and a minister. So my argument here is that there are two roles in the church, and that is one of pastor and the other of deacon. There's one of a shepherd, okay, pastor slash shepherd, or deacon slash minister. The pastor cares for the spiritual needs and deals with doctrine. He teaches from God's word. The deacon serves the temporal or the physical needs of the church. So we see this broken down here. And with that, what my what what I'm presenting before you is that there are two roles in the church as far as church leadership, one of pastor and one of deacon. Now let me throw a wrench into things. Because I think in the term of deacon, okay, and I, and, and I have described this in the past as a third role. And I, I don't think that's wrong necessarily, but maybe maybe it would be better to say that under the heading of minister, there is another role in the church because the roles are very, very similar. And that is when you go down to 1 Timothy 3.11, you see Paul stop in the middle of the qualifications for a deacon. And he says in verse 11, women must likewise be dignified. Wait a minute. He's talking about he's ta he's talking about first of all pastors and their qualifications, deacons and their qualifications, and then right in the middle he stops and says, "Hey, women." Now, the word for woman in the Greek language, which is what Paul Paul wrote this in the Greek, and that word is Gunaikas. It, it comes from the word gune, in which, you know, please don't call your wife a gune. But the word means, the means, uh, it means woman, or it could also mean wife. Paul does not specify what he means here. And I don't want to put too much into the text, but whenever he stops right in the middle and he says, oh yeah, women must likewise. There's something I notice in the first Timothy chapter three passage about elders or about pastors and deacons. Paul doesn't say anything about the wife of a pastor. He doesn't say a word. And I find it strange that he would stop and say something about the wife of an of, of a deacon. And so there are some that would interpret this passage and say, well, Paul is talking about the wife of a deacon, but I'm not convinced. There are some that also say in verse 11 that Paul is talking about a woman as far as not necessarily the wife of a deacon, but just a female member of the church. And if that's the case, you've got a third role. And it, it is the similar, it's a similar role to deacon. It would be a deaconess. So I just find that to be very, very interesting. And why would there not be female pastors, but there would be a female deacon? Because I subscribe to the to to that there is that there is a, the Bible okays female deacons. We call them deaconesses. Well, here's why. Think this through for just a moment. The pastor cares for the spiritual needs of the church. The deacons care for the physical needs. Well, let's, let's put this, it doesn't matter what timeline, whether it was the first century or now. Let's say that you have a woman in the church 
that has a a a physical need. Let's say, um, let's say that they're they're they've had a physical um, ailment or accident, and they can no longer dress themselves, or maybe they are temporarily incapacitated to dress or bathe themselves. And someone from the church takes that role. Do you think that it would be proper for a man of the church to dress or bathe a female member of the church? No. No, it wouldn't. And I think that's a great argument right there. That when you're talking about the physical needs of the church, that it would be appropriate to have female deacons or deaconesses to serve those needs for the women of the church. That doesn't mean that men can't do anything for the women or that women can't do anything for the men. But you know where I'm going with this. There are just certain things that, that it would be inappropriate for a man to do in service of a woman. There, there, it just wouldn't be right. It, even if it was done with a pure heart, you could start getting into trouble. Guys, I honestly think, I honestly think that that's, that gives us a precedence here for a role of, of deaconess. Now there's something else. I want to show you another passage and it's in Romans 16 verse 1. Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Centrea. Now, I'm going to go to the Greek here. And this Phoebe is described as a diakonon or diakonon. And it comes from the word diakonos, which is the exact same word for deacon. Paul says she is a, a diakonon, and it's in the feminine, so you translate that, and it would be deaconess. I find that to be terribly interesting. Now, I know that, that there's not a whole bunch of scripture to back this up, but guys, I think this makes perfect sense. So what I'm trying to say to you in church leadership, that there are pastors who care for the spiritual needs of the flock. There are deacons, men who care for the physical needs of the flock. But there are also times when a deacon, a man serving the physical needs of a woman, would not be appropriate. You need a woman to do that. So therefore, you have got servants in the church or ministers in the church that would be female. That's what I'm trying to say. I think there are three roles in the church that comprise church leadership. Now, does that throw a wrench into things for you? Now, before you start throwing uh, uh, garbage at me and, and uh, rotten tomatoes, let me just say, you will never, ever hear me subscribe to the Bible saying that there are, that there, that there, there are women who are called to the pastorate. I do not believe that the scripture actually calls or that God, that God would ordain um, females being pastors. I think that role is strictly for men. And I know that even saying that may cause people to throw stuff at me. But let's go into that just a little bit. And, um, and, it may take a little bit more time than what we have in this time period. So let's take another break and then um, we'll, uh, we'll take a look at that. Okay, we're back and we're going to finish things up with this segment. And we're talking about leadership. We're talking about um, um, leadership coming down in, in today's church, leadership coming down to um, pastors and deacons. And then underneath uh, deacons, you can also include deaconesses, and uh, go back uh, to those other segments, and you can hear why I say what I say. But I am convinced that there are there's the role of pastor, 
who takes care of the spiritual needs. There's a role of deacon, which takes care of the physical needs. And there's also another type of deacon, which would be female, which is deaconess, which takes care of spiritual or, or uh, takes care of physical needs and especially physical needs of the women of the church. That would, that would mean that things are done in an orderly fashion, that there's no hanky-panky, nothing like that. Okay? So let's go into this because I ended the last segment and I said, you will not hear me say that the Bible would ordain a woman as a pastor. Why would I say that? Because I have made so many people uh, mad at me for saying that. I may be making you mad, but let me just hear me out. Women, as far as intellect, there's no question that they could do the work of a pastor. Um, it's not dealing with the fact that just because they're a woman, they couldn't be a pastor. I don't mean, and what I mean by that is, I don't mean to say that women are somehow less than men. Okay. What I am saying is women are different than men. They're different in their calling. I would I would liken this um, to, you know, I've I've played on sports teams, I've played in bands, I have done different things, and let's say for example on a sports team when you get in a huddle on a football team, the quarterback may be. He may not be as smart as some of the linemen. He may not. Uh, he may not be able to to block. He may not be as big or strong as some of the linemen. Um, in many ways, he may be a lesser athlete than some of the other members of the football team. But his role that he's been put into is the leader of the offensive unit. He's the one that when you get into the huddle, everybody else shuts up and the quarterback talks. That's not because everybody else is dumb or stupid or incapable. It's simply because that's the role that that person has been called into. The coach has chosen that person to be in the role of quarterback. So out of respect for the decision of the coach, you listen to the quarterback. The same is true in the church. God has called men into the, the authority position of pastor. And they don't, I don't mean authority as far as they, whatever they say goes and they're the dictators. No, uh, the authority of a pastor is one who's on his knees, who's one who's gentle, who's one who, uh, pastors are the ones that are the first on the battlefield and last. They they're the ones that eat last. They're the ones that take care of everybody else. So it's a servant. It's a servanthood on your knees. You also find that in, in the home. God calls men into leadership of the home. But it's not as a dictator uh, type of position. It's a role where you give your life for your wife. That's leadership. So women are not subservient to men. That's not why what God is trying to say here. It's not what I'm trying to say. It's just the fact that God has called men into leadership. Paul even mentions this, and he says, look, he said, God created Adam first, and then Eve. And there's a role there. He wants Adam as having headship in the family. That's why Paul later on says that I, I don't abide for a woman to take the authority position in a church and teach a man. That doesn't mean that women have nothing to say to men. In fact, Timothy learned the gospel from his mother and his grandmother. They taught him godliness. So the Bible will never say that women have no role in teaching it's just simply the role of a pastor having the oversight over a church that women are excluded from that. Now, why? Well, you're going to have to ask God. Here's something else. In the history of Israel, 
you will not find women as priests. Now, you may find them today, but historically, women were not priests. You also, in the early church, do not have one female pastor. No one. You also, in the qualifications for a pastor in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, all of the descriptions of what a pastor should be is in refers to a man. Now let me take a step back. What I'm trying to say in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is this is a description of a man. When you come down to one of the one of the um, qualifications, it deals strictly with the role of a man. And we're going to get into that. In the next episode, we'll plan to go through the qualifications of a pastor and, and a deacon and a deaconess. So let me take a step back for just a moment. I want to make sure that I, I clearly explain things. The pronouns that are used in 1 Timothy chapter 3 to describe a pastor are mainly in the, the masculine. They're... they're there may be an exception with a feminine pronoun for grammatical reasons, but the context is that you have got a man. This is a description of a role for a man. So you put those things all together, and um, you you have you don't have women in pastorates, and I believe that churches that allow women to be pastors are not doing things in a biblical way. I, I, I don't I just don't think that scripture ascribes to that. So have I made you mad yet? <laughs> I don't mean to, to stir up trouble. But we're going to get into the qualifications of leaders. And but right now as we as we look at this, we have we have these roles in the church. And again, basically we're coming down to two different roles in the church, and that is of pastor and deacon. And you can put a third role in there of deaconess, which is the work of a deacon, but it, it, it looks like it's specifically something that might be serving, especially at appropriate times, the needs of female people are female, female members of the church. So, as we're setting up a church, and as you have church leadership, I believe it would be biblical, and it's definitely um, um, acceptable to have pastors, deacons, and deaconesses. And this helps to have things done in an orderly fashion, and to have things done the way God is describing them in Scripture. All right, so let's go ahead. We're going to stop, and in the next episode, we'll talk about the qualifications of leadership and uh, go a little bit further. Hey, did I make you mad today, or did I say something you, with which you disagreed? You can write to me. You can contact me. My email address is Randy at creationanew.com. You can write to me, and and uh, um, please, I, I, I would love to hear from you. Um, please take a look at um, Creation Anew on Facebook. Uh, you can look us up, and you're going to see videos, and you'll see um, um, uh, written documents. Uh, you'll see all kinds of things on there that, that um, um, will help you um, other resources that can help you with various uh, various things. You'll also um, be able to like the page and you'll get uh, updated on things that are going on. Also, I would encourage you to tell other people about this podcast. If you like what you hear and uh, you want to tell other people, please share this podcast with other people. Tell other people and uh, let's grow this community together. So with that, um, I want to say one more thing. And that is, if you're in the 
central Indiana area or west central Indiana area. I'm talking about places like um, Greencastle, Cloverdale, Martinsville, Mooresville, Monrovia, Avon, Plainfield, Indianapolis, Greenwood, um, Mooresville. If you're in those areas and you are trying to find a home church, well, I would welcome you to try out Mount Pleasant Christian Church of Hall, Indiana, or Community Church of Mooresville. Now, Mount Pleasant Christian Church is for the early risers. We start service at 10 o'clock in the morning, and we are located at 5830 West Hurt Road, Monrovia, Indiana, 46157. We start our services at 10 o'clock in the morning, and what you'll find there is people that will love you, and you will find uh, scripture being taught, and uh, you'll, you'll, there's a place for everybody at uh, Mount Pleasant Christian Church of Hall, Indiana. Now, if you uh, think that early morning uh, is around the crack of dawn, or excuse me, the crack of noon, I should say, uh, then you'll, you're going to want to go over to Community Church of Mooresville. We, our service at Community Church of Mooresville starts out at 11.15 in the morning. And uh, we meet, and you will find wonderful, loving people there. You'll also hear the word being proclaimed, uh, the word of God being proclaimed, and uh, it's for the more of the late, <laughs> the late bloomers of the day. And we are located at six one West Harrison Street in Mooresville, Indiana, and that's four six one five eight. So, and if you're in the area, and maybe you're you're visiting. Uh, and you want to come and visit us, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, but if you're looking for a home church as well, we would love to have you. So uh, until next time, uh, I wish you guys well. Thank you so much for joining in with me. And uh, I'm glad that uh, you have joined. I'm glad that you tell other people about this, uh, this podcast. And uh, let's just keep things going, shall we? You guys have a great day. Bye-bye.